Friday night hoops. Friday Night Hoops, Where is episode number six. Episode number six? Something like that. Something yeah. Like that. Wow, we're doing well. So we were going to start off by doing um, a bit of a summary of how we got into ball. Yeah? Because a lot of people, a lot of the listeners have been asking for that. Um, but do we want to do we want to throw out any sort of musings as we approach the start of the season? Yeah, I can I can throw out a couple of takes. What what yeah, well, what what are, we, what are we saying? What are we saying? We've got a Brooklyn Nets fan, a Philadelphia 76ers fan, and a Raptors fan. So where where are we at? Right. I've got two takes for you. First is Raps are gonna scrape into the playoffs as the eighth seed. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Second is Matisse Thibel is making <laughs> the first team um rookie. rookie. Wow. That boy's defence is going to be lit. Wow. My man Matisse, let's go. He's going to be the deal of the draft. Wow. Oh, look at it. Nick, better late than Nick, never, Nick. Nick. Better late than never. What are you saying, Nick? Hello, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. there you go. Should we start again, boys? Should we start again? No, we're, we're start. still rolling. We're still okay. rolling. We're rolling. We're just going to put it out there that Nick Nick joins in and goes, hello, can you hear me? Cool. <laughs> Friday Night Hoops, episode number six. Nick is the first. This is your first time joining the podcast. Welcome. It is. Thank you. Although technically I was on the pilot. Oh, yeah. Year, but you didn't record me. You just recorded everyone else. So you can put it out. <laughs> yeah. So just for context, for those who don't know, we did do a trial episode of Friday Night Hoops. Uh, there was actually the same intro, um, but we did a whole hour and a half episode about how we got into basketball, and it didn't record. <laughs> uh, yeah, big it up. But Finn, we're not going to be doing an hour and a half episode. No, we we pretty much uh, relinquished the idea of doing that. Um, so yeah, we were just get... Nick, do you, Josh, do you want to just repeat those hot takes very briefly? Yeah, so, so got, we're just starting off, Nick, with a couple of takes. Um, I started off. Um, my first take is that the Raps are scraping into the playoffs as the eighth seed in the East. Um, and the second is that Matisse Seibel makes the first team, like all rookie team at the end of the year um, and gets recognised as the steal of the draft. <laughs> Matisse! Okay. Uh, I like the way you're choosing Matisse Seibel over like. I don't know, like Taco Four or like um, Bol Bol or some. Look, every, everyone's sleeping on my guy Matisse. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. Nathan, if you just a quick, quick thing, like averaged three point two steals and two blocks at the guard position in college. Just okay. saying. Just saying. Anyway. Yeah, man. Yeah. Okay. Um. So we are for this episode. This is probably the first like uh, mailbag esque type of um, episode that we're doing, right? Is that fair to say, Nave? Yeah. Well, this is the first listener question we've had, so it's nice. Who is this from, by the way? Um, it was from Sam in our Dynasty League. Um, Sam. Yeah. Sam. What was the question? So um, it was asking how we got into the NBA and why we follow the teams that we follow. Um, 
So I thought it'd be a fun topic to get into. Hmm, for sure. Um, do you want to kick it off, Nath, as you have a relationship with Sam somewhat? Yeah, purely through Slack. Um, <laughs> um, so, okay, how did I get into the NBA? Um, so I used to play like NBA live, like on like PlayStation, PS2 or something, like mm-hmm. back in the day. Um, and so like I was a little bit into it at that point, and obviously like watched Space Jam and all of that stuff. Um, but and then Lu Deng came along, um, and he was playing with the Bulls and. I think Ben Gordon was on that team as well. So this is probably like 08, 09. Um, so naturally, you're a Bulls fan, right? <laughs> um, no. Um, so, but I didn't really, like, I wasn't really into it at that point. Um, like, I was still way more into football. Like, didn't really have any mates who were into basketball. Um, and living in Horsham, did not know anybody else that, even watch basketball let alone anything else um so then like didn't really get into it at all at that point and then started uni and met these three um and started talking about basketball a little bit more just because they were and then kind of fell in love with like the numbers and stuff behind it and then also got taught to play basketball by one of the young people that I worked with. Um, and yeah, like from there. So that was about four years ago, five years ago now. And from man. there, the, the love has grown um, like a beautiful sunflower. Wow. Um, <laughs> there is someone, someone is rattling their mic just so they know. I don't know who it is, but yeah. Um, is it fair to say that your view of basketball now, you just see it all in binary code, like the Matrix? Yeah, it's a bit like um, the scene out of The Beautiful Mind where he's just looking at like chalkboards full of numbers and code. And that, I mean, that's essentially how I see basketball. I don't really, I don't care about watching it in person. I just like the numbers. No, it's not quite that deep, but... Um, I do. I I I enjoy like looking at um, like diving into like the analytics stuff. Um, yeah. It fascinates. It what like it makes my brain tick. So yeah, that's, that is, that's me. Um, but, and it, we should we should probably stress that you know from Horsham to Brooklyn, it's, it's <laughs> quite an imperative relationship, right? You know where? Did, how did you end like Brooklyn? Are that because for some, you know, you are kind of a Brooklyn fan and a little bit of a Timberwolves fan. Yeah. So I, I initially followed the Timberwolves when I first when I got back into basketball and what like about four or five years ago. Um, partly it's because they had like these exciting young players like Wiggins was once exciting, and then Carl Anthony Towns, um, and also I, I mean I love Ricky Rubio, like with all of my heart. Um, possibly more than any other player in the NBA. Yeah. Even Doncic can't quite take his place. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, um, really like the Timberwolves, but was being in the UK, really struggled to watch West Coast games. And so didn't really feel like I like developed a really strong connection with the team. Um, and so a few times a year, um, I, for our group run, 
various prediction games, ranging from the NBA playoffs to the World Cup. Um, and anyway, last year's World Cup prediction game, I gave away the right to choose my next NBA team um, as the prize um, with the like specification that they had to be an East Coast team and they had to have been a lottery team. Um, and Nick here um, won. And despite some heavy lobbying from others <laughs> for me to be given anything from the Charlotte Hornets to the Orlando Magic. Wow. Uh, thanks, Raph. Um, I <laughs> ended up with the Brooklyn Nets, which, I mean, the last year has been pretty golden, isn't it? Um, no, I'm, the last two months. Yeah. I got think a quick last question. season was beautiful. Um, so, yeah. Can I, can I come with a question? Yeah, go ahead. It's actually a question for Nick. I'm really curious to know the thought process behind choosing the Nets for Nathan. Sure. Well, initially, when he announced that, that was how he was going to decide which team he'd support, um, I was like, well, I've got to win this because I want to give him the worst possible <laughs> team ever like i hope that someone just you know strips all their assets and just becomes an absolute train wreck this season so i can give them that team so but... job done so so you gave them, <laughs> gave them the net you, you <laughs> no but during the process when when i was given the responsibility having won the prediction contest resoundingly i thought to myself well to me. <laughs> <laughs> actually i i i kind of like this guy i know he likes basketball and I don't want to be, I don't want to be too, too deep on him. So I, I'll be honest. When I kind of set out on it, on the journey, I was like, I'm going to give them the magic, 100% give the magic if I win. But when I won, I was like, actually, no, I do count this person as a friend, and I want him to have. <laughs> wow. Some, I want. I know he's a Chelsea fan, uh, so he's got to have some positive experience in his life. So I'll give him the, I'll give him the nets because I feel like they've got, they had a bright future. And obviously, this summer, it just that bright future became the sun in terms of brightness <laughs> that's fair that's fair okay. that is it so um, i'm enjoying being a nets fan at the moment other than like the last couple of days with our owner coming out and saying some stuff regarding the whole rockets and china situation but yeah that's that yeah so, okay it's, i mean it's a fair bit of plight in your choice of teams to be fair uh <laughs> that was yeah that's uh that's from a lot of pain <laughs> uh, um, a lot of indifference <laughs> yeah yeah what about you what about you nick how did you land on your choice of team yeah um well my choice of team i'm an indiana pacers fan people who don't know which is probably most people um which is a really whenever people find out a Pacers fan who knows anything about the NBA, they're like, what? Why don't you put the Pacers? Like, there's tiny Midwest team, no one really cares about. They've had very few really relevant players in terms of you know global marketing. Um, but my sorry, or basketball, or basketball, yeah. Um, <laughs> my my journey into it started, I think, when I was um 13. I got NBA 2K7. And I remember just banging that game out and I had no idea what I was doing. And I started a career mode or whatever it was at the time on, on 2K, um, my season, I suppose. Um, 
and I was looking for a team. And of course, you know, when you're playing, when you're kind of English, you think I want to be a team that's got the biggest transfer budget because I want to sign loads of players. So I was like, scrolling through the teams. And I came to the Pacers, like, all oh, my days, they've got so much money. I can buy so many players. So I was like, of course, I'll be the Pacers. Of course, at the time, I didn't realise what that meant was they had a bunch of cap space <laughs> and no good players. <laughs> this was like 2K7. This was like the Pacers' kind of worst point in their history for like the last 20 years. 2007, this was like the, the, Danny, the, the Danny Granger years. It wasn't, it wasn't positive. And... When I got in there, I remember the first game I played, Wally, Ser- Wally Serviak torched me from downtown. So I was like, right, he's the guy I've got to go and get. <laughs> so I traded the house Wally Serviak. And um, from then on, I've been a loyal Pacers fan. <laughs> <laughs> and that, and also that game also got me into basketball because I started um, playing on the, on the PlayStation. I was like, actually, I can't wait to go and try this. And I started um, going down to the local park and playing on the hoop. And, it, yeah, it just went from there, really. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I mean, equally, there's there's been a little bit of um, plight in your choice of team. Although, in fairness, your last few... Um... Go on, sorry. Yeah. Mate. I feel like... So, obviously, the Pacers aren't a sexy team. But they're actually a very good team. They're not a brilliant team. But if you look at... Um, I can't remember. If you look at the kind of total wins or most winning seasons since 2000, the Pacers are right up there. Teams like the Mavs and the Spurs tend to come out kind of last 20, 25 years. The Pacers have actually been really, really consistent. There's been very few years when they've been absolute toilet. There's been one or two. But generally speaking, because if if you're in Indiana, you can't afford to do what a team like Philadelphia does and and spend five seasons tanking because the fans will go and then you'll you'll lose your franchise they'll get sold off to Seattle or somewhere that actually has a fan base so you've got to stay relevant you've got to stay competitive so actually you know WhatsApp does limit your ceiling to some to some extent we've been outrageously fortunate with some of our moves obviously most recently getting on a depot um, but it means that actually yeah, they've always been competitive, and they always they're always a fun team to watch. Like, there's, there's, I know it's never going to be a, a period <clears throat> where the Pacers are not trying to win, which is which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair. You've um, it's looking good for you boys. <clears throat> I think. Yeah, yeah, not bad. I feel like I I said to a lot of you guys, I feel like the Sabonis Turner duo isn't going to work. And I just I just don't feel like two very classic bigs can work in this league at the moment. And uh, I'm willing to be proven wrong on that. I hope I hope I do because it's my team. But for the time being, I just don't think we're well balanced enough to to really do any damage this season. No. No. But we'll we'll get a top five seed and lose in the first round, and that'll be great. Maybe. <laughs> <That's laughs> Keep it consistent. Uh, Josh. Yo. Your passion is often unparalleled as a... Uh, uh, how can I describe it? Nothing more than a vanguard for fandom. Uh, yeah, I mean, I enjoy being a fan. Um, I don't take it too seriously. Um, I don't, you know, I don't cry. Um, <clears throat> 
but <clears throat> but I love I love watching basketball and I love the fandom and I particularly love the uh, giving each other crap about it. Do you know what I mean? Um, the the heated discussions that that we've been in and and realistically the four of us have been in for the last kind of four four or so years. Yeah. I, I, I would just challenge you a little bit on the uh, don't take it too seriously thing. Um, I, our fantasy season kicked off with a very, very good um, draft on Sunday, which is we're recording on a Monday. The fantasy draft was on Sunday, very well organised by our um, illustrious new commissioner, Nick. And it, it did kind of remind me of the times over the last three and a half years where the last message that I received at whatever you know 11 30 12 at night is from you <laughs> talking about trades and then the first message that i receive in the morning about half six is from you talking about trades or so, you go or you go on the waiver wire and josh greer made a move at like 5 20 in the morning yeah like, man, what man. is this guy doing Why do you ever sleep i said i take i take my <laughs> fandom lightly i take my fantasy serious boys and I, i've got to say i love the trade <laughs> <laughs> you do you live for that you live for that um sorry you were saying anyway. but yeah so i mean i guess my story of basketball um i started playing before i started watching um there was a pretty decent court at the bottom of the road where i lived um in oxford when i was a kid and my mum um used to take me out and we'd play basketball like a couple of times a week and we'd also play football but basketball was a bit easier because you can do it with two people um without it being just like knocking a ball um across the field for for an hour or so so um started off kind of playing and then one of my friends was um uh going going down to a, a basketball team and he was a Miami Heat fan and he he got me to come along with him a couple of times and I got a little bit involved in like going to their team training um but then I kind of I moved to London to live with my dad and basketball was out of the picture for a while but um like Nathan said and probably like all of us obviously you kind of got key touch moments like um Space Jam being being an yeah. influential kind of point coach carter was a big one kind of catching that when i was uh entering my teen years and um that kind of reignited the love a little bit and also just playing computer games and um i i've probably got a more varied team history than the most so i kind of started off uh <laughs> started off that's one way of putting it yeah yeah, yeah. um no so when i first kind of started getting into the nba um, I'd been playing um, NBA Live and was loving the um, Steve Nash and Mari Stoudemire connection at the Suns. Yeah. Um, I loved, loved the way they played. It was great fun and really great fun to play on the game. So that was always kind of like my go-to team for playing um, NBA Live. Um, and then, so I wasn't really watching basketball properly at this point. I was still kind of playing it with mates a little bit, like, messing around at the park a little bit um but then I had a girlfriend that went to New York for a holiday of her family and um I actually because I used to play ice hockey when I was a kid so I actually said to her like oh you know can you get me a uh a, a New York um Rangers ice hockey jersey 
and she came back and handed me an Amari Stoudemire New York Knicks t-shirt and she was like those ice hockey jerseys are expensive um <laughs> so I was like oh sheesh and, and it's basically Stoudemire had just signed with the Knicks um and so I was like, oh, okay, okay, I, I know Stoudemire, um, remembering my days on uh, on live. So I kind of started watching it then, started following it, getting excited about, you know, Stoudemire being at a team uh, with a lot of young talent. You know, this is when Wilson Chandler um, used to have a pulse. Um, wow. And, <laughs> wow. <laughs> and uh, obviously Gallinari was, was, was there. And, um, yeah, so I was kind of... Um, started following the Knicks quite a lot um and then you know they traded the farm for for Carmelo um and at that time I was also managed to go and see a couple of games at the O2 so I saw back to back um on the Thursday Friday um I saw Nets Raptors play two games in London which was banging but yeah so I'm kind of following the Knicks and I get proper passionate about like fandom of of the NBA and really joining in um, and kind of have a few friends that were a bit interested in, and obviously getting going at college and hanging out with you guys kind of really ignited and, and deeply rooted it. Um, but actually, as the team got worse and worse because of some pretty awful um, ownership and GMing, we, um, I kind of started losing interest. Yeah. And uh, really it came to a head when even though we were playing fantasy, I basically stopped watching any basketball. And this is the year that the Knicks drafted Chris Trapp. So it's like, you know, the bright new shining hope for New York has arrived. But boy, did um, James Dolan and uh, Phil, what's his face now? I can't remember his name. Phil Jackson. Um, they just killed it for me. Like when Phil Jackson was coming out chatting about LeBron and, and his posse and, you know, and just like it, it took the fun out of basketball. Um, and, and it's hard enough, and I'm sure you boys can agree, and, and particularly Nathan, it's hard, hard enough watching your team um, when they're playing at three in the morning, four in the morning, let alone when it's just uninspiring like team management. I don't mind losing. It's more the, the way in which it was being done and the ownership being really toxic and the players all being pissy and annoyed at each other all the time and there being no no gel between them and, and so yeah I uh, after a year of not playing I was like do you know what I don't want to lose basketball because James Dolan is a is a crappy owner so do you know I like um, pump fakes Josh <laughs> I love <laughs> and the triangle <laughs> offense <laughs> oh I mean triangle offense mate is uh it's, it's the future of basketball that's what I'm saying it's the future and the, past and the present I mean Bill Jackson, for all his uh, foibles, he he knows how to run a system <laughs> into the ground. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, so um, I basically said I'm I'm not going to lose basketball because of James Dolan. Um, and so I kind of got a friend who lives in Philly. We were going to go out and see her. Um, and so I was like, well, I'm going to go to Philly. I might as well follow the Sixers. Um, so I, uh, yeah, went with the Sixers and then went and got to go see them play at Wells Fargo. Um, had a great time. And that's, you know, the rest is history. I'm, uh, I'm pretty, you pretty. One of the, you're one of the more passionate fans we have, I think, in the group in terms of not having any rubbish uh not taking any rubbish sorry um and spewing rubbish well yeah, 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 yeah. i give so much crap 
I'm I'm very much. I, uh, I, mean, I think Matt, was it you saying uh, Moneyball, and you, you're like the one of the old um, the old scouts. It's all about gut feel. That's very much how I enjoy basketball. I'm not I'm not in, into like going deep on statistics. I'm you know, I'm not a Mar- Daryl Morey or a Nathan Nathan Gibson. Um, no, <laughs> no but, I'm, uh, I'm very much same. I'm very much like if a, if I could define a player as having moxie or whatever that is. That's me. I'm like, yeah, that guy's got it. What's it? Nah, I don't know, but it's it. Like, it's, that's that's how I feel. <laughs> yeah. And I, I basically, I started, I think the thing that really propelled me into a deeper love of, like, fandom was listening to the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast, which is basically two two guys from Philly that during the process started this podcast that was all about how the, the process was was the truth. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's it's the most kind of fan and they don't pretend to be kind of sports journalists they are fans they they chat crap they have a good time and I I think I kind of was able to feel more connected to the team through that kind of podcast rather than listening to quite dry journalism wow it's it's good you found a way to connect with the team as well being as obviously you've only come to it in the last um you know two years so you didn't really experience the you didn't, didn't really experience the process, did you? You've just experienced not, not the uh, the outworking of the process. Not the not the depth of it, but you know, gotta love gotta, gotta love basketball. And uh, he was there for one bad season. Yeah, the first season where like Embiid played what thirty games. Yeah, um, like it wasn't oh, pretty. I'll let him have that. My memory is very much the Knicks started losing, the Sixers started winning, and it was just a kind of hop off the sinking yeah. ship onto the one that's just coming up to float. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that's your memory, Nick. I'm sure Much like Davy Jones from Pirates of the Caribbean. I saw you. <laughs> you, you, you emerging from the depths. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Oh, anyway. Um, yeah, so I'm a, I'm a Philly fan, and I think that's, that's, that's likely to be the, uh, the, the end of the story there. Um, no more changes for it's me. I found, found my team. And uh, yeah, Matt. Yeah. About you, um, yeah, man. So, for those who don't know, uh, I'm a big Raptors fan. Um, I think out of all of us, uh, well, not that I'm the most authentic, but I have the closest link to the team that I support. Um, in the sense of a lot of my family, in fact, more of my family live in Canada in the greater Toronto area than they probably do in any other part of the world. Um, so since I was a kid, I've been going on and off every couple of years to see my family. Uh, and because they're all big Raptors fans, I've been to quite a few Raptors games just by family members getting tickets for free. Uh, shout out to Uncle Peter. Um, and, you know, going to see the Raptors probably uh, Chris Bosch days and then the not-so-good Andrea Bragnani days. <laughs> into the Jose Calderon days. Uh, and actually the last two or three times I've been back because of various family uh, things that have kind of brought me back there, whether it be like sort of weddings or otherwise, I've been kind of not been able to go to games. But yeah, um, been a regular kind of, you know, uh, participant in in Raptors fandom, really. Um, so I have, yeah, man, like I've loved being a Raptors fan um probably for the last 10 years or so but actively for the last four um so timed it pretty well i think fair to say that is fair to say um, yeah uh, and no better time than to say that i'm the only fan 
on this podcast who's actually seen their team win a championship. You wait until 2021. <laughs> <laughs> um, you wait until the Pacers get moved out of Indiana and I become a Warriors fan. <laughs> Just as they decline. <laughs> yeah, yeah man. The husk of Draymond Green. <laughs> Kick his way around the league. It's funny. It's funny that now because, like, just moving it, moving it forward a bit. Like, you know, we were saying at the start of the pod, and as we, you know, we want to wrap things up fairly soon. Like, there is, um, there's a lot to be looking forward to at the start of this season. Um, what is like one takeaway that you guys are taking from the off season for your respective teams? Uh, I'm just super stoked to have Brogdon at the paces. To be honest with you, I think good pick up. He, good yeah. Pick up. I feel we haven't really had a point guard who I've been super excited about for a while. Um, and I I look at what um, the what the Blazers have achieved with CJ and Dame and having a pretty kind of, you know, not a superstar supporting cards, it's pretty average run of the mill. Like, you know, you wouldn't expect them to be, to be as good as they are. But to have a backcourt combination of the standard of Oladipo and Brogdon. Yeah. I'm really excited about that. I'm just a bit disappointed that I don't think we've put the right pieces around it. But obviously, Sabonis and Turner both will have a bit of trade value. So there's going to be an opportunity to make a move that suits the team. But I don't think the market's going to be particularly strong because everyone will know we're a selling team, much like the Paul George situation two, three years ago. Yeah. But as a fan, I'm really excited to see, see Brogdon play. I love efficiency too. So I'm looking forward to watch that guy play. 50, 40, 90, baby. <laughs> what about you, um, Nave? Um, I am. I think I'm really excited for the redemption of Kyrie Irving. Um, in that I think he's got a bit of a bad rap over the last year with whatever happened in Brooklyn. I mean, his press conference the other day where he talked about some of the circumstances leading into the season um, was really revealing. And like, it was nice to see like that honesty from him about, hey, like things did not go well, but here's why and here's why I'm in a better place now. So I'm excited to see Kyrie in a better place. Um, and on top of that, Karis LeVert was super hot at the beginning of last season. Then obviously had that horrible ankle injury, came back, and then I mean he had a good playoffs but he I mean he was the exciting player at the beginning of last year not D'Angelo Russell and D'Angelo Russell had a good season but I'm so excited to see what Karis LeVert can do this year especially alongside Kyrie like and then we have KD coming back at the end of it like it's what a time to be alive yeah no man it's like um Again, you've you've chosen a good you've chosen a good time, man. I, I think as teams go, you're um, yeah. I'd be I, I can't think of many more teams to be more gassed about the start of the new season. Uh, well, at least a potential in terms of your timeline as well. You know, obviously there are teams like your Lakers, you know, that have done potentially more you know season altering things. But your timeline, if you look at that, I was looking at the ages the other day of like Dinwiddie. Um, Karis Levert, and even some of your like um your bench players as well. Like, is it Kur- how do you pronounce his name? Like Kurux, yeah. Yeah, he's Allen as well. And yeah, like, yeah, you've and you've got like I know people were saying like DeAndre Jordan's washed and stuff, but it's like he's not a bad center to be coming off your bench. No, but he's a good um, center. 
Yeah, there aren't many teams I'd be more excited about. Maybe other than the Sixers. How are you feeling, Josh? Josh yeah. Oh, back. Yeah, I'm back, sorry, yeah. Um, I will quickly um, answer and then I've got to make my apologies and ju- jump off the call. Um, I'm feeling excited because this year, not only do I think we've got one of the best starting fives, if not the best starting five in the league, it's it's an interesting time of style like, and bit having a very different system and whether Philly's all-out kind of bone-crushing defence can match up with small ball and three-point like, dominance. So, you know, it could go horribly wrong um, because we haven't got much shooting. Um, but I'm kind of backing a team that's got some very, very, very good defensive options to uh, to be able to kind of chase people off the three-point line. Um, and when they're off the three-point line, they're coming into the rim to meet uh, Joel Embiid or Al Horford. Um, and I kind of fancy our chances there. So I think, um, you know, the old saying goes, defense wins championships. Um, and I think we're putting it to the test this year. So, yeah, I'm excited. But, um, yeah, I'm sorry, boys. I'm going to have to jump off. But, um uh, cool, man. Been a been a pleasure. Always always yeah. great to share a couple of uh, you know a few minutes with you guys and and hear a little bit about about your journey to basketball. So um, yeah, Fair. take it easy. Take Fair, it man. Easy. Um, and Matt, how are yeah, you feeling man. about the Raptors this year? Um, it's a really weird feeling. Um, I can only really describe it in the sense of. Imagine like um, the happiest day of your life, which for us three, or well, us four, as married men, should be our wedding days. Yeah, but like imagine, so imagine your wedding day, and it's like sick, like just got married, amazing, and then for the next like six weeks, you're worried about, I don't know, like, oh, we're not gonna have anywhere to live. Uh, and then you lose your job or something. I don't know. It's it's mad. Like, I'm not really articulating very well. Like, That's quite dramatic. Yeah. Well, it's a, quite a roller coaster of emotion. Is in like never, you know, never won anything. Bang, you win something, and then the reason you won something just goes away. It's like oh, uh, but you still had the memories of winning. Um. So our core is still there. We've got a lot of expiring contracts. We've got a lot of aging players, but we've got some removable pieces. Um. I think I'm just going to put all of my hopes and dreams in Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Vliet mm-hmm. to become the next sort of like, I don't know, <laughs> I can't really, I don't even know what, like a Steve Nash, like Amari combo. I can't really, I, it's not even accurate, but like, I, it's going to be a long season, isn't it? We'll make the playoffs. We'll be in, to be honest, if we, I was thinking about this today, if we drew like, if we got like a fifth, a five seed, and matched up against the Celtics or something, I'd be quite confident that we could do that, you know. Uh, but again, the definitely silence <laughs> from you boys. I don't think it's all doom and gloom, is it? And I mean, nah. Lowry signed another year extension this year, yeah. which I think yeah. it's probably smart from them in that, like, it takes him to what? Like, will he be 33 by 30. the time 34 that expires, yeah, yeah. which is probably a good age yeah, for him. 34. 34. Yeah, I think that's a good age to like, kind of let him move on. Um, there is a player on the Raptors that I'm really excited about that has flown okay. under the radar. It's Chris Boucher. So remember yeah. the name. He was Montreal. outstanding in the Montreal G League. Boy. Like, go and watch what he did Montreal in the G League boy. in Summer League. He is exciting. He's the next Pascal Siakam, and I have him in Dynasty. 
came out with trade offers. <laughs> I am. I'm not sure, man. Like, yeah, I'm still a bit like, ugh. I don't know. Like, what? I kind of feel like, yeah, okay, we're going to be a playoff team for the next season. Uh. Too, but then it's like we need to. I don't. We're kind of going back to where we were. It's like, well, mm. maybe that's yeah. The fate of teams like, no offense to you, Nick, as well. Like, maybe that's kind of the fate of the you know the Indianas and the Raptors teams of this world. It's like, well, you know, that what happened last season was a freak. Yeah. Mm. Well, I mean, yeah, sure. I guess I think Toronto probably got a bit more um, freedom to kind of take the risk that you took with Kawhi. And obviously, in hindsight, it's 100% worth it. Um, If you're the Pacers and you're thinking, okay, let's move on a depot to go and get one of those guys who's expiring just to have a stab. I don't know. I can't think of somebody who's expiring this year who it could be. But I just don't think it'd be worth it for the Pacers because you can't afford the anonymity because there's so much risk around the, just the franchise existing and, and people coming to watch games. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm pretty happy of us as being Mr. Consistent. But in terms of the Raptors, I think it's just it's Siakam's stage this year, isn't it? it yeah. It's just an opportunity to show out. And can he become, you know, a sort of Yanis light, sort of just this really lanky guy who can just get to the rim and has got a handle you know yeah. I, I would say as well i guess the other thing i was going to say is just that the advantage that we have is that we've got a whole country behind us so we like i don't exactly yeah. that yeah. it will be bad for business i don't i don't think raptors will ever lose the franchise they're, no. they're too big they're not going to go down the vancouver route yeah absolutely yeah, yeah it's like, never going to happen we start making smart choices though uh, and we've got we've had a decent GM. We've had a good GM, a really good GM actually, in Masai. So it's just about yeah, I guess how we take things forward. Yeah, man. Yeah, I feel really bleak, but like it's, it's, <laughs> it shouldn't be bleak. I don't know. Yeah, I mean the East is just generally a pretty bleak place, and when you four people supporting four different teams in the East, it's always a bit of a wasteland, isn't it? Yeah, I definitely think before the before the uh, season starts, we need to do some season. Ra- we need to do uh, either put it on social or um, uh, on do a pod about our season rankings because it is unless you're like a Cleveland fan or like a Charlotte fan or a Wizards fan, darkest time. Or a Knicks fan, really. <laughs> yeah, you're looking, you're looking around. You know, you've got Indiana, Brooklyn, Orlando, Boston, Philly, Raps, Miami, Miami, yeah, Miami. Troy. I'm not gonna lie, Milwaukee, obviously. But like, if I was at Atlanta or Chicago, I'd be like, "Yo, like, why can't we?" Yeah, absolutely. Like Atlanta fan, I, you know, the team's looking healthy, boy. Like, um, yeah, I don't know. We will see. Yeah, if anything, if anything clicks one of those two, you're right. You, they could easily slip in because it's not like there's a golfing class between yeah. that eight, eight seed and it kind yeah. of well down to maybe eleven because like the four you reeled off, yeah, they're they're, they're not in a good place. No man, I mean I'm looking at the I'm just uh, the Atlanta team in general. Not to go off on a tangent, but they fascinate me. Yeah, you think of Damian Jones, um, Evan Turner. Like wow, Evan Turner's on a lot of money. Evan Turner was 18 mil a year. Oh my god! Wow, day. I Sorry. think Atlanta lost that trade hands. Yeah, got Chandler Parsons. I completely forgot about. Okay, <laughs> anyway. Oh, that is awful. Oh, they've got some terrible contracts. 
Oh, and they've got Alan Crabb as well. Whoa, what is all these bad contracts? Oh, okay. wow. I didn't realise they'd gone that deep on the kind of, yeah, the contracts. No, maybe, you, maybe it's not their year yet. <laughs> you, you want to put a figure, sorry, very briefly, and then we'll end it. You want to put a, you want to put a, a figure to the nearest million of how much money Evan Turner, um, Chandler Parsons, and um, Alan Crabron. Combined, they've got to be taking up half of Atlanta's cap at least. That's 60. You want, 60. So, no, you want to say, so Nick, you're saying 60, yeah? Yeah, go on. Um, I am. Um, I'm going to go slightly above. I reckon or on. Oh no, hang on. Alan Crabb was like seventy and a half. Don't Google. This, like, no, I'm not. This is off the top of my head. I was a Nets fan stuck with Alan Crabb's contract last year. Because um, <laughs> then it was like, how do we get rid of him so that we can get KD and Kyrie when we were dreaming? Um, I I reckon they're on fifty. No, I reckon they're on. You could go 59.9. I reckon 70. Or 61.9. No, no, no. So you're saying 70 mil, yeah? Yeah. And Nick, what did you say again? Uh, 60. Okay, the actual figure. One second. 62 mil. Oh, 64. 62 mil. What? Just over 62 mil. That is ugly. And just to put it in perspective. Big three. The next highest played player on their team is DeAndre Hunter. Oh, with seven mil. But then you've got like players that should be getting paid way more. Like, oh, oh man, they've just got a lot of youth on their on their team. Cam Reddish cheap, Trey Young cheap, Jabari Barker still relatively cheap for being a decent-ish player. Alex Len cheap, um, Kevin Herder cheap, John Collins so cheap, and then they've got Vince. Like just over a mil and a half a year. Although, wait, how old is Vince this year? Is he forty-two? Vince Carter was born in night. Oh no, that's the year he went to college. Sorry, Uh, (laughs) Vince was born in nineteen seventy-seven. He's born in. He's played in four decades. He will turn forty-three in January. So. He and from what I remember, he's like the year older than Trey Young's dad. Yeah. Oh he's yeah. Played in four decades. He that played is nineties, two thousands, twenty tens, and like twenty twenties. He was drafted the year Trey Young was born. Uh That is wild. That's is he going to dunk this year? I, I mean, he dunks every year, doesn't he? <laughs> You're going to find him in a park at the age of like sixty-five. Yeah. Still dunking. <laughs> <laughs> His athletic, like his athletic abilities, not even to jump on this the, the tangent, but he, surely like he must have to do so much prep to be ready for games. Yeah, yeah. Like, we, we, ice played, we, yeah. Played ball, we played ball yesterday for 35 minutes and I yeah. died. They're, they're probably keeping him in a cryogenic freezer just kind of all week between, well, all week or kind of all night between the next game on a back-to-back. Yeah. And he's not earning much money for anymore. So it's just like, it's purely for the love of oh, Come basketball. back to the rap, man. Just come back and play. How good would that have been? Sorry. not. To but isn't me. that like, isn't that relationship like burnt to the ground? It's burnt. It's burnt. The ashes are burnt. Like, yeah. <laughs> he came back last season. He came back last season. Obviously, he's got a ring already, but like, he came back, he got a ring. Everyone's chilled. Done. Done, done, done. That would be sick. That's not... I mean, it's never going to happen. Yet. No, that's um, 
Yeah, man, I don't know. It's going to be an interesting season. We need to do a season prediction before the season starts on next week, isn't it? Yeah, week after next, 23rd. Yeah. 23rd. Um, so we've got to do our top 10 uh, small forwards, power forwards and centres. Uh, so, yeah, there's going to be some very big uh, episodes coming soon. Um, any more for any more before we log off today? No, that's me. Go Pacers. Go Pacers. <laughs> episode number six. Thank you for locking in. Until next time, please.